0: Welcome to the Cosmic Connection, presented by Astrology Hub. I'm your host, Amanda Poole-Walsh, founder of Astrology Hub, here with Master Astrologer Rick Merlin-Levine. This is your place to explore the order and beauty of the cosmos and your connection to it all. Well, hello, everyone. Well, we are so happy to be here with all of you. I'm seeing people in the chat already. People are excited to be here live. If you're catching the recording, it's going to be just as good. But what we're going to be doing is talking about November. And Rick, your monthly forecasts are very popular. Like people love your take on the astrology ahead. So yes, I,
1: because I pretend to know what's going on.
0: What are we? You, you can't. Do a lot of the time. I've got to say there's a high percentage of knowing what's going on, miss, that happens with you. Yes. All right. So before we dive in, we need to make a very exciting announcement. Our chart reading extravaganza focused on harmonic aspects is now open for enrollment. So if you've been waiting for this, you can dive in and join us for that class. It is at astrologyhub.com slash Harmonics, and I'm going to let Rick talk about the whole experience of this course and what he's going to be offering and teaching and who it's perfect for.
1: Now, so, you said harmonics, but what came up in the title, oh no, it's harmonic oh, I got, We had this discussion offline, but yes, either harmonic or harmonics should work, but um uh thanks for all of uh, uh the wonderful people like Courtney behind the scenes who changed harmonic to harmonics. Uh, Either way. Uh, Anyhow, I am so excited about this course because, you know, as you know, Amanda, you can throw anything out in astrology. And I love to talk about it. I mean, cosmic bullshit is my favorite thing in the universe. And just because it's bullshit doesn't mean it's not important or not wrong. But it's just that I live for that. Now, having said that, where The planet, where the rubber meets the road, where the planets meet Earth, is really the thing that drives my love of all of these wonderful cosmic ideas, whether it's quantum astrology or harmonic aspects or all those things. It's really, are they practical? Do they work? Now, as many people know, we did foundations uh, of astrology, astrology foundation level three, which was a deep dive into harmonic aspects and what this extravaganza for November is, there'll be four classes in November, is really whether you've done that deep dive or not, it's how do I take these harmonic aspects and apply it to every chart I look at should I want to find the deeper and wider and the magic that we may be missing? Because ultimately, Astrology is based upon patterns. is based upon mathematical patterns. That's what creates life in the universe, crystals um, from from rock to to computer circuits. It's all done by mathematical patterns or harmonics. And in astrology, we come from a tradition that divides all cycles, all circles, uh, by by half and by half again or by a third and a half again and we get the magic number 12 however when we focus on 12 we're focusing only on the material world because remember astrology was a product as we have it in modern times was a product of the patriarchy it was written by guys for guys and guys love if we're talking about cosmic bullshit they like the bullshit that's real because they want to mechanically do things and create boundaries and conquer things and build things and and what we're seeing with the use of harmonics and or harmonic aspects and I don't want to talk about the difference between the two of those but I will in the course. Um, what we're really doing is we're bringing the magic that's beyond the three dimensional world into chart and chart readings and I'm so excited. We're going to be doing four um, uh, uh, chart a week that are gonna be people enrolled in the course. So they will be with us live on the, on, on the uh, webinars, on, on the uh, Zoom classes. And each week we'll look at a different harmonic and we'll look at four charts that exemplify that harmonic and see it come alive right before our eyes. And of course, this is always, a, you have to be pretty confident in what you do, which I am, in order to look at a chart blind in front of a lot of people and hope that it's going to come alive but they will because they always do so i'm totally jazzed about this I'm, I'm i'm really excited looking forward to it
0: we're jazzed too and and if you heard i mean if you've participated in any of the other chart reading extravaganzas you know that we didn't do as many live chart demonstrations per class so this time students have an even greater chance of being selected for that so, I mean, again, it takes like three years to get a reading with Rick. So just being able not two, to-
1: About two and a half.
0: Two and a half. Okay. Yeah. All right. The, the other thing, Rick, I was just thinking, I just got done recording a podcast that we're going to release in December with your friend, Rachel Lang. And we were talking about Neptune stationing in Pisces at 29 degrees next year and how important that is and how much that is about accessing these more magical realms within ourselves, within our communities. So it's perfect timing to be having this conversation. And like you said, there is an opening happening where astrology is, is breaking boundaries that, that had been there for a long time just because of the nature of where we're at.
1: Yeah, and I just spent an entire weekend with Rachel at Omega Institute. and We talked about the magic of Venus. And it's a lot of fun. I love Rachel and her work. Uh, She's an amazing astrologer. One other thing I just want to mention um, is that uh, when you enroll in the course, well, within a week of those people enrolling early, um, you're going to get a one-hour class that will be from me that for those people who took um, Foundations Level 3, it'll be a refresher of what was covered in 16 lessons in that in a one-hour lesson. But for those people who really don't know what harmonic aspects are and why they should even think about dividing the circle by five and getting quintiles or by eight and getting half squares um, or by nine and getting no vials and and all these crazy things, that for those people who have, have not taken the Foundation's Level 3 Harmonics course, You don't have to, because this is like a short circuit right into using them without all the theory. You may be excited enough that you want to go back and then um, and then take the three um, or, you know, the uh, level three. And um, and maybe Amanda actually will give some special pricing for the foundation's level three for those people who have gone in backwards and have just taken the extravaganza. But the point is that even if you even if you know what what a second harmonic is, which is an opposition. If you know what a third harmonic is, which is a circle divided by three, third harmonic a trine, if you use oppositions and trines, this course will be not a problem for you. You don't have to have the backing of the theory behind the practice.
0: Mm. I was just gonna ask you for the people that are intimidated by the reference to level three. Yeah. You're saying that it's not necessarily more advanced. It's just different. different. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Go ahead. (laughs) I'm sorry. I was, I was too busy. I was too busy interrupting you to hear what you were saying.
0: Don't worry about it. It's okay. I think we were kind of saying the same thing, but if you want to add anything to that, the people that might be uh, intimidated by the label level three, which we aren't putting on this class for that reason, because it's not necessarily like you have had to take level one, level two and it's not even necessarily that it's harder than any of the other classes that he's taught
1: correct it's just a different it's a different venture in and in fact one of the lucky things that happened to me when i first began studying astrology 50 years ago um in in my late teens um was that the first astrologers that i read were dane rudjar and one of his students michael who actually put in quintiles and no vials as part of, as just part of it all. And, and, and for that reason, I never learned that they were supposed to be less important. And they're not. And neither did they think that they were. But most astrologers say, well, these are minor aspects. They're not important. Um, all I can say is that what happened over the course of October And what we have in store for us in November, um, if you're not looking at half squares to 45 degree angle and a square is one quarter of a circle, that's what a square is. 90 degrees, 90 times four is 360. If you're not looking at half squares, which are semi half, semi squares, or really they're one eight because half of a quarter is an eight, they're octiles. These are harmonic aspects, and they are not less important than squares. They're more precision, more laser like, more fine tuned. They're not as wide and open as a square and a trine. But boy, once you see them in operation, whether we're looking at mundane world events or whether you're looking at someone's chart, you get. I mean, I'd no sooner do a chart without these harmonic aspects than I would without. Mars. That's how important they are. Mm -hmm. I mean, by the way, and if you did a chart without Mars, it would still work because the universe is fractal and you can fill in what's missing with the other patterns. So, you know, that's the crazy magic of it all. You can do a really good astrology reading without knowing someone's birth time and just know their sun, um, their Mercury and their Saturn, for example. That's enough to go on. You know, you may not have the detail of the hologram if you had, you know, the more information. Anyhow,
0: okay. Well, class starts mid-November. You can register now, astrologyhub.com/slash harmonics. If you register now, you'll be one of the first to get that one-hour lesson that we will be releasing next week. So,
1: and am I correct in assuming, or that that inner circle and um, <laughs> and my Patreon? Uh, subscribers yeah. are both getting discounts. And if you're a Patreon subscriber, you'll get that discount in the next few days, that discount yes. code.
0: Exactly. Inner Circle members and Patreon members, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Okay, well, let's talk about November. I know you finally landed on a title for October, which was, it's uh, all too much.
1: And it was, or is.
0: Yeah. Yes.
1: Or, you know, is. when we talked about October, I still stand by what I said. And that was, that October, looking ahead back from September's perspective, was total noise. I think I shared that saying what kind of noise, a noise, an oyster, a noise, yeah. noise, a noise, an oyster. October was noisy. And it doesn't mean, you know, like in, 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 a, in a disease state, a chronic chronos, chronic Saturn, chronos, a chronic illness is really serious because it, 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 it exists in time. An acute illness is something that pops up and then disappears, but an acute illness can take you out. You know, just because something is acute doesn't mean that it's unimportant. And by the same token, the noise—it's not that it was unimportant, but in the big scheme of things, the noise of October was actually stimulating deeper chronos, deeper chronic wounds that that were basically. Um, exploded into awareness, and and it's still my suggestion, even through the month of November, we have lots of movement of Mercury, Venus, Mars going forward really fast, And, and now Pluto is direct. And on November 4th, Saturn turns direct, but it's not moving very fast. But all the outer planets, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, Pluto, Chiron, are all either still retrograde in the process of changing from retrograde to direct, or like Saturn now is pretty much stationary. And so, even though there's a lot going on and it feels like there's a lot going on on a deep existential level, we may feel frustrated because, because things aren't really changing. And, and I think that that holds still, or that, that still holds for the month of November. We're getting a little movement, but you know, Saturn turns direct on, um, on uh, November 4th. And, and the intriguing thing is that on uh, November 1st, Saturn is at zero degrees of Pisces in 31 minutes. By the 1st of December, Saturn is only at one degree of Pisces seven minutes, meaning it barely moves a half a degree for the entire month. Pluto, which just already turned direct, Pluto is at 28 degrees zero zero minutes on November 1st. By December 1st, Pluto is only at 28 degrees 30 minutes, meaning that even moving direct in an entire month, it's only moved a half a degree. Uh, I mean, and the same with Uranus and Neptune. I mean, Neptune moves a quarter of a degree for the entire month. Um, So these outer planets are all. Even Jupiter moving faster than any of the other outer planets is at 10 degrees at the 10 and and 3 quarter degrees at the beginning of the month. It's at 7 degrees at the end of the month. It still moves only 3 degrees for the entire month. And it's moving backwards or, or retrograde. So there's not a lot going on on a deep existential level. We're still dealing through the month of November with a lot of noise. I think the biggest difference between October and November is that the noise that we were dealing with in October was noise to, um, was was stressful noise to Pluto, in particular Mars square Pluto, which was exact on the day that um, Hamas um, uh, launched their attacks. And, And then the sun and Mercury are also through the months we're squaring Pluto. So we had Pluto stationary all month with planets bumping up against it. And in November, we have instead, we have action of planets um, that are happening towards Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune. It's a more widespread spectrum. It's not just this intense survival, life, death, uh, struggle um, for power, Pluto being power. We certainly saw that In the halls of the united states congress which as of today we're recording on october 25th that it appears has been um whether we like the result or not the um it appears that it has been at least for now resolved so that's what we have stepping into the month it's almost like during november we get direction and and my working title um for um for the month of november is finding our way because Planets begin to move into Sagittarius, into Libra, and we begin to get a sense that there's a longer trajectory, but, but we're still finding our way. We haven't found it. We're not on our way.
0: Rick, do you see an escalation of what has been unfolding, or does because you're saying that it was more stressful kinds of noise in October, more acute. Are you seeing that sort of dissipate in November?
1: I I honestly, I can't answer that question. I mean, I know what I would like to see as all of us. Uh, I mean, ultimately, I don't care what side of what political coin anyone is on. And when I say I don't care, I just mean that violence and human suffering created by human gut level emotional response to me is a Product of archaic man, a archaic human, and there's no room for it in our world. Now, having said that, people still have their perspectives and their point of views and their gut reactions. Um, but, but I don't see the same pressure on Pluto. Although a Saturn is stationing and it begins just inching forward, um, we may see some some solidity occurring. That again. In the United States Congress as of today. um, And again, I say whether you like it or not, at least there's not this total three weeks of total craziness of unsettled power struggle. Who's in charge? The people in charge may not be the people that we want in charge. That's a personal political decision. And as far as I'm concerned, I have my strong political beliefs, but. I don't care if yours differ from mine as long as we're willing to talk to each other, (laughs) as long as, you know, as long as there's communication, uh, you know, that's part of the, what makes things go forward. And so, so I, I don't know whether things are going to get worse. And when you say worse, it's worse for who, because there's
0: exacerbated, not necessarily Mm -hmm. exacerbated.
1: That's a good word. And, um, yeah. And, and even exacerbated, you know sometimes when you suppress an illness, it feels better on the surface, but the body itself is in a deeper level of unexpressed stress. I, 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 I don't know. I mean I, I know there'll be people who uh, there are people who have very strong perceptions. A lot of people project the worst onto the worst, onto the future always because the fear is what it is that's projected. Um, And I I don't know. I know that there's no Mars-Pluto square next month like there was last month.
0: Mm. Okay. And I can attest to your willingness to talk through all these different issues that we've been polarized on for the last few years. You and I have had some really amazing conversation where we might not be necessarily seeing it the same way, but we can still talk about it. And that's the best. Yeah. And, and I agree. Like if, if we, as humanity can get there, that, and starting in our own homes and our own relationships and our own backyard, that definitely that's you know, a step in the right direction.
1: Right. And of course the problem um, is that once one steps into what Eric Hoffer um, who wrote a book called the true believer once one steps into the true believer realm, and I don't care what that belief is, it could be an amazingly good belief, but once one steps into that realm, then there's no dialogue, you know? And and the true believer is really no different than the true denier. Um, In other words, if one is in denial um, over anything, and of course, this is part of the whole origin of 20th century depth psychology, is finding those things that we don't even know we're in denial over if someone says, Oh, you will always do blah 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 blah, and you go, no, I don't well, yes, you do, no, I don't do that ever, and the other person goes, Well, everyone, everyone knows you do, no, I don't, you know that's that's still denial <laughs> that's that's repression rather than suppression which is Maybe a step better. Yeah, I know I do it, but I try not to, but I still do it. Either way, it's still a function of the true believer who can't have a dialogue. And, you know, and that's really one of the things that maybe we can hope to reclaim um, during this, whatever this crazy process is that the planet is going through. We're not going to resolve the issues because people have very different perceptions of what's going on Mm -hmm. enough there let's talk about november well we are talking about november because part of what november november is um and and i go, uh, go ahead
0: we start off november still in this eclipse season and i know i know your astrology isn't always like as eclipse focused but we do we will have had the final eclipse of the season and we'll be still in that two week period that's considered eclipse season you mean so, two
1: weeks after the after the eclipse itself yeah yeah and and look i mean every lunation new moon and full moon is significant and eclipses are a particularly potent part of that and the reason is and the ancients knew this and that is that even though you can't look up and see the north node or the south node of the moon that when the moon is close to the north or south node and it's new or full, that's when we have an eclipse. And the node is kind of like where the ripple of, 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 of the splash made by the earth going around the sun and the splash made by the moon going around the earth. When two ripples go outward and cross each other, they create these points that where the ripples intersect and are called nodes, Latin for not, um, and not K-N-O-T, not, not, N-O-T. But these knots are actually how reality gets tied up. And it's almost like we, our physicality, is made by by ripples of of subatomic energy that is rippling and crossing each other hundreds of tr- actually um, trillions of trillions of times every second. And they create the illusion of physicality, which is really light tied up in knots. We are light beings, but the light is like gravitationally trapped and tied up into these, into these energetic knots. That's why astrology works. When you look at a chart, you're seeing the shape of the knot you're seeing how the knot is tied up in physical reality. And so when there's a new moon or a full moon tied up with with one of these knots, they're like vortexes that take us into other dimensions like um, black holes and wormholes that, that kind of alter our understanding of time and can be uh, very, very significant. And yes, November starts off still in that realm. And I think that the other thing that is highly significant um is that november also starts off with um one of the pieces that's active during um during the um the the eclipse and that is that venus um is trining uranus and that venus trine uranus is part of um a a a deeper energy that i think will be with us through the month but venus made the exact trine um, I'm saying made as if this is already November. Again, we're recording this on, on, on the, what is it? The 25th, but on October 31st, Venus makes an exact trine, um, with, with, with Uranus. And I think that that energy, even though Venus and Uranus are both, uh, when the trine happens, Uranus is a bit wild card, card disruptive, whatever, but Venus is moving from a trine um to Ur- uranus um over the first week of november to a trine to pluto and, and because uranus at 21 degrees of earth taurus and pluto at 28 degrees of earth capricorn um those two planets moving very slowly are coming to an exact trine over the next four years so we're talking a very slow moving energy. But as Venus moves through Virgo, it first made that trine or makes the trine with Uranus on the 31st of October. And then it makes a trine with Pluto on November 6th. Um, the, and, and, and so I think there what we're doing is we're getting this sense of, of how we can stabilize energy um, by doing something different, by wanting something different by going deeper than normal. And although the month of November starts off with a bit of, yes, we're still in this eclipsical energy, and even on November 2nd and 3rd, um, even though the eclipse um, is, is is technically o- over, um, the eclipse happening, um, you know, on um, November, tw- I'm sorry, October 28th or 29th, depending where on the planet you are. The fact is that the sun, Opposes Jupiter on November 2nd as Venus opposes Neptune. And this interplay between um, Jupiter and Neptune all month is going to be one of the plagues. I'll say more about that in a moment because um, Jupiter at 10 degrees of Taurus is making a half square. We're back to that eighth harmonic, a half of a quarter is an octile or a half of a square. Jupiter's making a half square with Neptune that's exact on November 5th, but it's really with us all month because, uh, and stays within a half a degree of orb for the entire, within a degree of orb really, for the entire month. And that becomes a dance that is exacerbated by the eclipse, but continues As planets in Scorpio, Mars, Mercury, the Sun make a square and a half to Neptune when they oppose Jupiter, and then when Venus makes an opposition to Neptune and makes a square and a half to Jupiter. And so we have this kind of dance between Neptune. And Jupiter, Jupiter, the planet of big thinking and big ideas and expansion. But remember, and I know I've said this before, Jupiter can only expand as far as Saturn. You can only blow up a balloon so much before it reaches that Saturnian limit. And you can't blow it up anymore. If you do, it pops. Neptune, on the other hand, is like Jupiter that's escaped from the limits of Saturn. Which means that you don't have to justify, you don't have to use logic, you don't have to rationalize. With Neptune, it's, if you imagine it, it's real. Neptune is real. It's just not necessarily in physical form, nor is it necessarily answerable to Saturn. And so, from that standpoint, this ongoing half square between Jupiter and Neptune, I think is another round of buzzing the boundaries. Between having to answer to law, reality, Saturn, dad, the church, the boss, the policeman. These are all Saturnian things. And when Jupiter expands, it's always contained by Neptune, uh, by, uh, it's always contained by Saturn. However, Neptune is not. And if Jupiter and Neptune are in a half square, it's hard to know even if you think you know what's real. It's hard to know what's real. And through the month of November, both Venus from Virgo, which is opposing Neptune and making a square and a half to Jupiter and eventually to Uranus. At the same time, the sun, Mercury and Mars and Scorpio are opposing Jupiter and making the um, square and a half to, to Saturn. So we have some ropey stuff through the month that I think will be kind of push our boundaries and limits to force us to make decisions as to what's real and what's not, but we may not make them on the facts. I I think it was East Nin who wrote, we don't see things as they are. We see them as we are.
0: So Rick, I've been learning more about AI and AI's capabilities and one that is terrifying to me because of what you just said about what is real and what is not real. You you literally, like we could create an entire podcast between you and me with our voices that sound like us. Nobody would know that it's not actually us, but it could be AI the whole time. That technology already exists right now. And so the more I'm learning, the more it's feeling like, Local in person, where you actually know what's real, is the only thing we're really going to be able to count on. And even with everything that's happening, and I don't know if any of you have experienced this, but if you where you live is in the spotlight and then you hear it reported on from far away, some of it is true, some of it is not true, some of it is dramatized, some of it is underplayed. And so when we're observing things from across the world, From, you know, in in other areas, it's really hard to know what is actually happening.
1: I agree with you 100% except being in physicality with someone doesn't necessarily make it real because I can still be with you and leave that interaction with something that was totally based on my mind. Now, when that becomes totally aberrated, we have a label for for it, we call it schizophrenia. But schizophrenia isn't a black, white, on, off thing. I still see you and perceive you through my reality tunnel. And so what you're saying is very true, but over the next five, 10, 20, 30 years, we're going to also see physical manifestations, not just flat video manifestations that will make it impossible to know whether I've met the real Amanda Walsh or some some something. It's going to happen whether we like it or not, you know, unless we take ourselves out before we get to that point. But that's it. That's it's like a technological no brainer for anyone who you know wants to do a deep dive and just look at the work that like Boston Analytics or some of these companies are doing with real physical form facial featured um animated um apparently self-aware uh ai forms uh, you know for for those of us who are stuck into this carbon-based biological entity that we call reality we may be in for a bit of a rude surprise.
0: Mm, it, it is true. It really brings up the question, Ben, what is reality? Like, what is reality?
1: One of my favorite so, Rob Han quotes is many years ago, I think it was in his book. I think um, essays, on, um, um, uh, uh, maybe it was in uh, Symbol, Symbols of the Horoscope or Essays on Astrology, one of his early books. Um, he wrote, uh, it, it, we used to believe that Saturn was reality and Neptune was illusion. Whereas now we know that Neptune is reality, and Saturn was the illusion there was one. Mm. Mm. You know? And, And I think it's important also in psychology, an illusion isn't untrue. It's just a thought that's based on a wish fulfillment. So I can have an illusion... And that illusion may be, for Wilbur Wright, the illusion that I could fly. But you can't say that that illusion wasn't made into Saturn. You see, because Neptune's job is to create a metaphysical scaffolding upon which Saturn can crystallize form. Hmm. And okay. I think this is somewhat what November's lesson is, is this dance between, you know, between uh, imagination and form. Uh, how does, and I, I, what I like to say, and I've been saying this for 40 years uh, more, is that the reason my primary interest in astrology is my singular question of how does meta become physical? Because there's something that's metaphysical and then there's something that's physical. And in the 20th century, the largest, most important change of the 20th century is that what we called physics is now actually a physics that has to encompass whatever it is that is metaphysical because we can't see it or taste it or perceive it or measure it. We throw it into something we call quantum physics, um, but it's still meta. Physical,
0: mm. okay. So November. we're still in the beginning of November.
1: Well, so in the beginning of November, we still have some of this this angst, this illusion, this this tension with the sun opposite Jupiter, and then Venus opposite Neptune. Both Venus and uh, both Jupiter and Neptune are both brought into play with 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 um, the sense of. What's the big idea? How do we expand what we're thinking? The Jupiter, make it bigger, but be logical. But then the Venus opposing Neptune is the well, this is potential. This is what's possible. This is my dream. And um, and yet the two of them are getting kind of there at odds with one another. And then on November 4th, when Saturn actually makes its technical station, and remember, Saturn on the first of the month um is pretty much at the same place as it is on the 10th of the month. Um, It basically doesn't move, even though we say that on November 4th, it's stationary direct. And so Saturn is holding a lot of power right now. And so as by November 8th, November 6th, we actually get a couple of sweet days in there, I think, when Venus and Mercury both make trines with Pluto and Neptune. Venus trine Pluto. This is the second part of that trine, that grand um, Earth trine that I was talking about with Uranus, Pluto, and Venus. That began with Venus's trine to Uranus back at the end of October, and by the sixth, Venus is trining Pluto, really pulling our desires and our wants and our uh, uh, what we're attracted to, really making it deep. But at the same time, Mercury is making a trine with Neptune, again encouraging us to be spiritually oriented or oriented towards those non-physical things that can be illusory. And then on the 8th, Venus moves into Libra. This is Venus's home territory, and Venus moves into Libra. And as Venus moves into Libra, um, we also have on the 9th, Mercury moving into Sagittarius. So on the 8th and ninth, we have a real shift. And when Mercury moves into Sagittarius, Mercury, as it moves into Sagittarius, makes a square to Saturn, which is retro well which is technically now direct, but it's been retrograding all the way back to zero degrees of Pisces. So when Mercury moves into Sagittarius, the first thing it does is it squares Saturn, and November tenth, I think we have a couple of struggle days when Mercury squares Saturn. What we thought was real is tested, and we may need to change our mind, and then on the eleventh, Mars opposes Uranus, and we have this whole Uranus thing happening again and again through the month, because Mars opposes Uranus on the 11th. This is the tower card. you know this is this is Mars, you know, the fire, the energy, the um, meeting up with Uranus, the lightning striking the sudden, and that leads us right into the um, new moon on the 13th. um, And yet that new moon, the sun is opposite Uranus and Venus is making a square and a half to Uranus. So we're seeing, I think, some real movement around the new moon. But I'll let you know what that movement is a few days after it. I don't know what's going to unfold. I just know that when we get to the 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th, Something will unfold, and um, and and I think that by the seventeenth or so we get the trines coming back in, and there's a bit of smoothness. But this new moon is not an easy new moon. Although if you don't use the semi squares and sesqui squares, I don't think you can really appreciate how potent this new moon is because the new moon at just barely 21 degrees of of um, Scorpio. It's really 20 and three-quarter degrees of, of Scorpio. But let's just call it 21 degrees because it's, it's rounded up to that. And Uranus is at 21 degrees of Taurus. So this new moon on the 13th is opposed Uranus. That in itself would be potent. But where's Venus? Venus just moved into her home sign where she's more powerful and at five degrees of Libra on the, on, uh, on the moment of that new moon, Venus is making a half square to the sun and the moon and a square and a half to Uranus. And kapow, it's like a T-square, but even more focused. There's this motivates something, this pops something. And that Uranus and Taurus, you know, Uranus is the sudden change. And in Taurus, Taurus don't like sudden change. And so the sudden change that occurs while Uranus is moving through Taurus is sometimes more sudden and more difficult. It's it's like granite moving against granite. And finally, when something has to give, there's an earthquake. Whereas if you're just looking at water changing against water, now there's more flow. And so the Uranian energy in Taurus is certainly not easy. And it's highly exacerbated during the new moon. And, and technically, just let's get this on the record. Um, that is at 1:27 a.m. and that's Pacific time. So if you're uh, a neighbor of Amanda's in Hawaii, um, that's going to be actually late in the evening on the 12th. And so here we get into that problem of living on a globe. Sorry, flat earthers, but we do have time zones, and and so that the the new moon is either um, late on the. Uh, 12th or early on the 13th and it's a powerful powerful new move even if it's not an eclipse
0: okay so we have we're up to the middle of the month you basically got us through november seventeenth. correct any other noteworthy transits or things we should be aware of for the that latter half of
1: the month well um yes and and remember on November 17th, we have Mars making the exact trine to Neptune. This is about shape shifting. This is about don't believe anything you see on November 17th. And also don't believe anything that you do. Tell people that just because I'm doing this, don't think that this is actually what's happening. Now, at the same time, uh, because there's a Mars Sun conjunction that has been pushing. Mars and the sun have been moving about the same speed. The sun moving a little faster than Mars, and 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 they've been within a couple. I mean, well, look on on November on on November first, um, Mars and the sun were about five degrees apart, and by the thirteenth, um, they're they're like about a degree, a little bit over a degree apart. And on the, and that's on November 13th at the, at the new moon. On the 17th, they actually align. And they align while Mars and the sun are both trining Neptune, which means that we have to be careful about what we think is real. On the other hand, man, if you want to create a piece of art, if you want to write poetry, If you want to communicate with someone, your dreams, your hopes, your the magic. I mean, this is uh, November 17th is a bit of a magical day. Um, And the sun is lined up with Mars, so it can be physical. Um, But um, but we need to just be aware that there's this whole grain of um, of salt. We need to salt is a good Saturnian thing. The salt is contractive. Salt pulls things in the salt of the earth. It, it It's crystallizing, and yet we have to take everything that happens that day with a bit of salt, with a bit of Saturn, because Uranus is just, I'm sorry, because Neptune is just working like overtime on that day. By the uh, 18th, we have um, Mercury making a half square with Pluto. Communication is intense, and there's problems, there's interactions that may be Difficult. Um, And by the 20th, we have a bit of a smooth day on the 20th because the sun is making a sextile with Pluto and Mercury is making a trine with Chiron. In fact, on the 21st, Mars moves into that sextile with Pluto. It's almost like here we're getting Mars um, looking for the opportunity with Pluto that just a month and a half ago, on October 7th and 8th, when Mars was squaring Pluto, we saw the Mideast um erupt in, in in horrific destruction and violence. I'm not saying that it'll just go away completely, because we're talking with a chronos, a a chronic issue that, that is very deeply ingrained. But I do think that around that November. Um, 20th, 21st, 22nd, we may see some movement in there. And that's coupled with the fact that on November 22nd, the sun moves from Scorpio into Sagittarius. And and I, and I think this whole movement of planets from Scorpio into um, Sagittarius can really help out. Remember, Mercury is the first planet that moves into Sagittarius, um, and that's back on the 10th when it squares um, uh, Saturn, excuse me. And then we have, um, um, I'm looking at a chart here that I just all of a sudden animated and it ran away. Um, uh, There it is. And then we have uh, Mars and the sun, both moving into Sagittarius, the sun on the 22nd, and then Mars on the 24th, 25th. But remember, when those planets move into Sagittarius and we have hope and we have uh, a, a way to get to where we think our goals are, they're also squaring Saturn. And remember, Saturn is still, um, you know, uh, as it was back in August, it's in a half squared to Chiron. We're having this problem of dealing with old wounds that just won't go away. And that Saturn half squared to Chiron is something that's also important this month because it, it, and it's exact on the 25th, but it's really with us all month. Saturn, reality, structure. In Pisces, structure's a bit hard to find sometimes, maybe. Um, But that half-square to Chiron was exact back in February of of this year. And then on the retrograde, it was exact again in mid-August. And now at the end of November, it's exact the third and final time. And this makes forgiveness. It makes being forgiven. It makes finding the healing to an old wound difficult. It makes learning and teaching difficult, especially since the sun and Mars, right around that same time as they move into Sagittarius, are squaring Saturn. And so I think we have some reality checks that may not be easy and may not be pleasant, but that we have an opportunity um, to take them over those days, um, and that takes us up through um, the last week of um, of of November, and and of course in the United States it's important to understand um, that the ultimate Sagittarian holiday is on the. Um, The last Thursday, well, it's actually on um, on on the first Thursday of the month after the sun has moved into Sagittarius. And so the sun moves into Sagittarius around the 22nd. And then we have Thanksgiving on Thursday, Jupiter's day, because Sagittarius is Jupiter related. Um, And on the 26th, we have Thanksgiving in the United States. Um, But there's hope. There's potential here that I think we're experiencing. But but remember that week as the Mercury, I'm sorry, as the Mars and Sun move from Scorpio into Sagittarius, they're going to be squaring Saturn. The Sun square Saturn occurs on the 23rd, the same day the Sun is the, in the square and a half, the sescu square to Chiron. This is not easy energy. Um, the good news is, that on the 24th, um, Mars moves into Sagittarius right behind the sun. The bad news is that it then makes its square to Saturn on the 25th and its its, uh, square and a half to Chiron. So what's happening here is we're getting hope, but we're having to deal with the cards as they're played. That's Saturn. It's not about Neptune right now. Neptune is kind of more dominant in the first part of the month where we're just in fantasy land, which is not a bad place to be, as long as we know fantasy dreams, illusions are really just a way of deciding what we're going to work on to precipitate those, uh, the dream, the the mists of illusion, what's going to actually fall to earth as precipitation and crystallize. But as we get closer to the end of the month, um, we have, I think, on the 26th, Mercury um, makes a, a um, trine and a sextile to the nodal axis, we may actually have some movement in communication that brings us right up to the full moon and that full moon on the 27th at one sixteen a.m. Um, and again, that specific time. So depending upon where you are on the planet, um, that may be on the night or the evening or even the late afternoon of the 26th or early in the morning, or even mid-morning if you're in Europe um, on the 27th, Um, but that full moon, which occurs at four degrees of, um, the, the moon is at four degrees of Gemini opposite the sun at four degrees of Sagittarius. Remember, we still have the sun and Mars squaring Saturn, and we also now have Mercury squaring Neptune, kind of saying You're not going to get away with believing those fantasies anymore. Someone's dreams are being popped here. They're being uh, deflated. Uh, The Mercury square Neptune is exact on the 27th. Um, And we kind of end the month of Neptune with some quincunxes that the sun quincunx Jupiter, where we may be realizing we've overreacted or overdone. But I think that the full moon's potency is mostly in the fact that the full moon is conjoined well actually the sun is conjoined with mars which means the full moon is opposing mars and yet that full moon and the sun and mars are all squaring saturn and so we may we may be angry mars we may be ready to make a boundary mars in fact we may be in intense negotiation trying to create that boundary especially because Venus is moving toward the uh, nodal axis, which is giving us maybe hope in trying to find a, work, a way to work around it. But at the same time, the full moon, Mars, and the sun are all squaring Saturn. And so we can't escape having to deal with the cards as they were dealt, in other words, Saturn. All right, now that have gone through the
0: whole month, Do you have any more clarity on what that guiding theme or thought or kind of bottom line is, the the through point for the whole month?
1: There was um, a cartoon many, many years ago based upon a commercial that was on, I don't know, radio, TV, um, uh, I mean, in my childhood. And it was a commercial for at that time, the leading supplier of, um, cassette tapes, um, you know, cause there was no disc, there was no computer digital recording and, and the company's name was Memorex. They're still around. And the com- and, and the cartoon, um, was based upon a commercial because Memorex's, um, advertising slogan was, is it real or is it Memorex? And the cartoon was a little girl walking down the street, holding hands with apparently her dad, and saying, "Dad, are we are we real or are we Memorex?" Now, somehow that was very prescient as to what's going on with the dance between Jupiter and Neptune, and Saturn, and Saturn and Chiron, because the question becomes almost like. Um, We're getting to the point where there's so many issues where we culturally have totally bifurcated on. We talked about this at the very beginning, but not using this language where where they're extreme this or that. And there's no communication, because if you're this, then you obviously are just stupid because it's obviously that. But if you're that, you look at the person who's saying this. And they're obviously uneducated and idiot, and they don't know what's going on. And so we have this black-white extremity, and that would be less problematic if it was only over one issue. But we have it over 10 different issues, and the black-white or the extreme yin-yang or however you want to bifurcate it isn't always the same answers for every different issue, even if the people are the same, which makes it you know, totally crazy. And I think that during November, we may have our, like like, like the dog that pooped in the house. And I know this isn't necessarily um, modern animal behavior, but when I was growing up, you'd take the dog and you'd put their nose in and say, no, don't do, you know. And in a way, I think that we are all, I don't care what the issue is, whether it's, whether it's political, whether it's Trump, whether it's vaccines, whether it's, UFOs and ETs, whether it's flat Earth, and uh, I don't care. I think that we're all going to have our nose rubbed in something.
0: Wow! So, what do you recommend?
1: Keep an open mind, flexibility. You know, uh, I, I I tell my regular students, my Patreon um, supporters, um, you know, that if you have a teacher who has all the answers, get the hell out of there because anyone who knows what's going on doesn't Mm. you know it doesn't mean that we can't I I mean I think I have some good information on some things but I mean you asked me at the beginning so is it going to be like this or that and I have no problem at all saying I don't know I don't know you know why you know why people compared to giraffes have short necks
0: no I don't
1: know (laughs)
0: oh my god for the people on the podcast you 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 need to go over to youtube and see the video just for that oh well (laughs) he's dragging his shoulders up um video vault says humility question
1: mark well humility is a part of knowing that that all we can do is um, reach toward divinity that this idea of I am God, which I think that as a Pluto and Leo and part of that generation, I remember reading as you know as as a teen that Pluto and Leo was a uh, one of the signs of it was megalomania, which is part of a schizophrenia description because megalomania is the belief you are God, and yet it turned out that part of the contribution of the Pluto and Leo generation was the awareness that we all actually have some aspect of God, goddess, divinity. Now that may be hubris to say, I am God, but even with Pluto in Leo, um, that, um, that humility is based upon a flexibility that even if I have moments where I feel omnipotent, um, where I feel like I know everything, those are just moments. Ultimately, I'm just another bozo on the bus, even if I think I know a lot, and therefore I have to remain flexible. I have to be open to modifying what I know is true. When I get information that is totally contrary to the absolute axioms, an axiom is something that that you don't need to prove. It's true, but we all have axioms upon which we've built our thinking, and those axioms and those axioms themselves are not necessarily true. And so whatever our beliefs are, belief is Jupiter because you have to logically um, justify another good Jupiterian word, um, Jupiter energy, because it has to be contained within the rational world of Saturn. and And yet it doesn't matter what we believe to be true. It may not be. You know, look, for a couple of centuries scientists who know they know what's real scientists knew that newton had it right until they began looking at the subatomic realm and you know and then you had heisenberg wandering around the parks in germany at night insomniac that he was unable to sleep because he was like is it possible that the world is so crazy that God doesn't even follow his own laws, because that's what, that's what they were discovering. And yet, if they had known that those laws were true, they would have never delved into the subatomic realms any further. They would have stopped. They would have gotten into denial and go, nope. It's like, you know, in Galileo's day, he had a telescope and he saw sunspots. And uh, church members said that the telescope was the work of Satan and and instructed people not to look through the telescope because it made them see imperfections on the sun. We call them sunspots. And since the sun can't be imperfect because it is in the divine proportion, therefore the telescope has to be a work of the devil. So all, all I'm saying is we, we don't know what we think we know. And part of, I think what November is, is... Having that humility enough to know that we don't know and that maybe we need to make readjustments and alter our perspective, even if it means changing some absolutely fundamental axiomatic um, truths that we've built our entire life on. And, And just to be very clear, I'm including myself in that. This isn't like me telling you that you need to get it right. You need to get smarter. No, we all do. Because, we, because none of us have the whole picture.
0: Whew. Rick, why do you think it's so hard? This seems like one of the most challenging things for humans in general, like across the board, to, to have built your life around certain ideas, certain beliefs, your identity is attached in with that. And then when that other information comes in or the other idea or other perspective, there's so much resistance.
1: I don't that. think it's a human thing. I think it's a cultural thing. You do. Well, if you look back at, at many of the indigenous people around the planet, they embraced the mystery. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I think this is another facet. I mean, I feel like I've been on this soapbox or bully pulpit or whatever as astrology being a... A, a, um, an archetype of a patriarchal society. And that, um, and, 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 and this is basically the keynote address that I gave to the Canadian Astrology Conference back in September. Um, and that, and that it's the, it's, it's the left hand, right brain, which is associated with the feminine portion. And remember, Latin for left is sinistra. Oh, sinister. And, The right hand, which is connected to the left brain, which is the logical, rational part of the brain rather than the part that is the feminine um, yin energy, which is more embracing of simultaneity and mystery and emotion, which is not logical. But it's the left brain right hand that has suppressed and has overtaken the other and so, I think one of the things we're seeing in culture today that's coming out in one of the many expressions that it's coming out is gender fluidity is because we're we're trying to find ways whether we're doing it consciously or not. Most of us are not conscious as to this deeper mechanism. We just know that that having two right hands is not as cool as our language would seem to indicate. What do I mean by that? Well, what is it, what's the word if you can do things with either hand? Ambidextrous. Dexter means right. So ambidextrous isn't using either hand. Ambidextrous, by language, means you have two right hands or no left hand, right brain at all, because that's sinister. Do you see what I'm saying here? This is cultural. I don't think it's human. And if we survive the 21st century, it will be because we dismantle. We don't, we don't want a matriarchy to replace a patriarchy, but we want to dismantle the supremacy of a misogynist, um, racist, hierarchical, right-hand, left-brain, dominant society so that we can create something that has more equilibrium libra balance harmony and so and and so i didn't mean to jump on what you said because what you're saying is true but i don't think it's a function of humanity i think it's a function of our reality tunnel that culture has created that's really the problem that we need to correct and we can't correct it globally as i say at the end of almost every podcast i do Except for my astrology podcast, uh, except for my uh, astrology hub podcasts, is to think cosmically, which is what astrology really is, but to act locally, not think globally, act locally, think cosmically. It's Mm -hmm. great to push our mind out to the edges, but even when we're looking to rebalance this fear of uncertainty, which is part of Neptune, remember, Up until the 18th century, Saturn was the outward limit. There was no uncertainty. That's the way it was. But with the advent of Uranus and Neptune and Pluto, we've opened up to this whole thing that we don't have a clue as to what the hell is really going on out there, where we come from, why we're here, how we fit into the cosmos, are we Part ET, or are we in a simulation of a system? Si- we don't know. We make it up. Just like we've made up astrology. It's a good system, it works, it's fantastic. But think cosmically, and even more so than ever, we have to act locally. We have to take what we get from out there and, and have that actually alter how I interact with you or the wait person at the restaurant, Um, or or the person on tech support that I've been on the phone for two hours and they're doing their best, but I'm getting nowhere and I just want to reach through the phone or computer and I want to strangle them. You know, I just, but it's not them, it's me. Because I want that certainty that just doesn't exist the way we believed it did when Saturn was, the King of the Mountain you know, Saturn was Saturn was it Saturn was the final you get what you deserve you die it's over eternity this way or that way there's no question and then along comes Pluto and goes well wait a minute eternity may be more dynamic than here what about that you know so we live in a different world than we're coming from and I think that this need for certainty or this Aversion to confusion. And confusion is a fantastic Neptune word because one of the underlying factors of Neptune, although it's a spiritual and it's dreams and imagination, Neptune is also fear. You know, Mars may be acting on that fear and doing something about establishing a boundary, anger, but but Neptune is the fear of being uncertain and not knowing, and that uncertain and not knowingness comes from this word, confusion. What does confusion mean? Well, what is, what is con? With. Conjunction. With. And what about fusion? What does that mean? Together. Exactly. So what's the problem with coming together? Mom. The ego don't like that shit because the ego needs separateness to ensure its survival. Now we come back to the right hand left brain and if i don't know where i end and you begin i, I we 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 might call that love. <laughs> but love, love is confusing because it disintegrates the boundary between self and other do you understand what i'm saying here yes wow you're all getting this too yes this now is to- why neptune is confusing And this is why some people need to close themselves off from what we might call individual personal love. Obviously, Neptune is also agape, you know, universal, you know, I may hate humans, but I love humanity, which is a good Aquarian line that my old astrology buddy, Jeff Jower used to say. Uh, Aquarians uh, uh, love humanity, but hate the humans. Um, But the point is that in an individual one-on-one basis, Sometimes because of our former experiences, we do find a place in our life where we close ourselves down and we go, I'm not going to be confused by love because it always ends with my heart hurting.
0: Yes. Okay. All right. Let's go back. I want to thank you for jumping on that comment I made because you, you illuminated something for all of us. And I, and I think it's probably really true. And that this aversion, and coming back into this confusion thing, this aversion to living in the mystery, living in the unknown, living in with really-
1: It takes, it takes humility.
0: Does, and, it, and somewhat of a childlike curiosity, because, it, because if we approach life with that more childlike like curiosity, we don't assume that we have to know or should know. We're just open to learning. And and I, I think it, that's kind of what I'm taking away from from like if I were to sum up everything you said for November, these keywords of humility, flexibility, open mindedness, being willing to modify what I know is true, what I know is true, you know, what I absolutely am attached to being true, right, for my world to make sense, being be open to that being modified or even deleted and totally changed, right, um, and. Yep being open to the the thought that whatever my beliefs are, they may not actually be true. And having this, I am okay knowing that I don't know everything.
1: And Niels Bohr, the founder of, you know, the guy who kind of figured out the the, uh, quantum, what we call quantum physics, um, once said the opposite of true isn't necessarily false in other words something that things that things that are mutually opposite can can both have truth
0: Mm. yeah yeah exactly okay well uh so i guess we're all open to confusion this month and knowing that it there will continue to be this sense of confusion but with a new spin on that, with fusion, with oneness, beyond the ego structure that wants it all to be in these little compartments and boxes and all make perfect sense. Be open to the beauty and the mystery of not knowing, yeah. of not seeing the world in that. That It's
1: boxes. why Neptune loves music. Mm. Because with music, we're not logically thinking, we're going out of our right hand left brain into our left hand right brain into the sinister world of emotions but it's only sinister as labeled by a patriarchal language system
0: okay new frontiers this is all i i made the comment the other i think it was in the inner circle but for a lot of years like 2020 to 2022 in the first part of 2023 it has felt like we've been in the dismantling and in the, you know, seeing things, you know, veil lifting, whatever you want to call it, but a lot of like deconstruction. It finally feels in the astrological language that I'm hearing from you, that I'm hearing from other astrologers. We don't have it all figured out yet, that's for sure. But we're, we're definitely, it seems like we're shifting towards, well, what can I contribute to this? What can I contribute now? Now that I'm, I'm done being shell-shocked and confused yeah. all the time, you know what is it that there's mine to contribute here? What what do I want to do with all this information? With being in this new sort of sense of reality,
1: exactly, and it comes down to how do I respond, not react, because a right. reaction is what happens in your gut. Right? How do I, or, or in your head, but how do I respond in a one-on-one situation that instead of feeding The fear, the hubris, the anger, the bifurcation. How do I respond in a way that allows me to listen and be open? I don't have to agree. Yeah. You know, I mean, this is part of the magic of what for all of the problems that we have of what we call government, which is untangling and dismantling itself as part of a you know, Pluto return process. But with all of that said, the idea of I can have a difference of opinion with someone and be a best friend still with that person. In fact, it was William Blake who wrote in Proverbs from Hell, he wrote opposition is true friendship. Or, or um, Oscar Wilde who wrote um, an enemy will stab you in the back. A friend will stab you in the front. In other words, that, that ability to have a relationship, you know, it's intriguing, but astrologically, the seventh house is the house of marriage and open enemies. For a very good reason, because I don't want an intimate partnership with someone who can't tell me that this is the way it is, not that. That person has to be willing to stab me in the front, so to speak. Otherwise, it's not a real friend. Otherwise, it's not a real union.
0: All right, Rick. Well, you have given us a ton of food for thought. (laughs) You have have, uh, given us a very bountiful table for Thanksgiving or Jupiter Day, which I love to call it at this point, because then we can all celebrate it. Uh, So thank you for that lots of guiding ideas and awareness with the transits that are happening in November so thank you thank you thank you thank you and for any of you again if you want to spend some time with Rick a lot of amazing immersion time with Rick in November that harmonics chart reading extravaganza is going to be amazing so check that out thanks to all of you who are here live in the chat thanks to all of you who will be tuning into this as a recording we're so grateful that you are a part of our community that you have made astrology a part of your life. Can't wait to connect with you on the next episode and take care, everyone. Rick, thank you. Thank you. You're amazing. Right.
1: Thank you. Thank you all for being here and being open.
0: Yes. <laughs> all right, everybody. Take care. See you soon. This podcast is presented by Astrology Hub. You can learn more and find all of our shows at astrologyhub.com podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and hit subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you can stay up to date on the latest episodes and help more people find the wisdom of astrology. Thank you for taking the time to do this now. Thank you for being a part of our community and for making astrology a part of your life.